You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. I kind of want to share with you today some of the things that I've been learning in the process. And we're a little honest, pull back the curtain a little bit on this whole pastoring thing. So much of what I get to share with you and some of the things that I get to teach on and pastor you through are many of the experiences that I have walked through. They're things that God has taught me along the way in my life as I follow after Him. In the last couple of weeks, we've not specifically been in a series, but it's kind of turned into one. And we talked about changing your focus a couple weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about changing your mind. So I didn't want to disappoint you and just to pull out that pastor card and really do the three-point sermon thing. We're going to continue with that thought today, and we're going to change once again. But instead of your mind or your focus, we're going to talk about changing your desires, changing your desires. And as we begin to talk about this and talk about changing our desire or our will, is that we all have desires, right? Every single one of us has desires. We find this out that people have these when they're young. I have young children. And you find out pretty quick as a parent that your kid, their will and their desires don't always line up with yours. Matter of fact, 99.99% of the time, you can guarantee that your children's will and desire, especially the younger that they are, is not going to line up with what you are wanting to do, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, am I the only one who feels that tension and pressure, even as a parent today, and even, oh, come on, someone, bedtime. If you've got young children, you know sometimes, some nights, that bedtime routine can be such a struggle. Our will, our desire as parents is to get those kids in that bed, get those teeth brushed, go to potty, get your jammies on, get cleaned up, whatever it takes, and then get in that bed and get some sleep because we're wanting that kid to be wake up fresh, ready for school. We need to get some sleep, but sometimes our desires don't always line up. Sometimes you have to wrestle a kid to the ground to brush their teeth or get their jammies on or get them in the bed or tell them for the 42nd time to get in the bed and they don't need a drink of water, whatever the excuse is. Sometimes you find that out pretty quick, that when you have a child, people have different desires. They have a will, and everyone has this, right? And sometimes it's as simple as just a food preference. You know, what do you want to eat? I know if you've been in the car driving somewhere, and you're trying to decide where it is that you're going to go, where you're going to eat, and then you ask someone, you know, where do you want to go? And it's like, I don't care, and where do you want to go? And then no one can make a decision, but, you know, and then they say, suggest something, and they're like, well, I don't want to go there. Have you ever been there before? Like, hey, where do you want to go? I don't know. Let's just go wherever. Okay, well, let's go to Wendy's. Well, I didn't want to go there. Well, you just said wherever you want. But see, we all have different desires that drive us. And one that I, uh, I really think is funny, I don't even ever heard this hashtag before, hashtag relationship goals. You ever been there before? You heard the hashtag before? It's basically like a, a funny hashtag and where people talk about where they want to get in the relationship, where they want to get in a dating or marriage relationship. And it's usually, you know, a picture of someone cuddling or wearing really ridiculous matching shirts or doing something really funny together. Or they'll even show um, pictures of, you know, an older couple together and just doing something super adventurous or outrageous together. And people talk about hashtag relationship goals. That's my desire to get to that 
that place in my relationship or to for people who are single to be in a relationship that looks like that. That's my desire. That's my will. That's where I would like to get and that's where I would like to be. And sometimes it's the bigger picture stuff. It's not the, the little things or preferences, but many times it's the bigger picture, our desire. Where, where do we want to be in life? What are the things that we want to achieve? Think of some of the bigger, broad brush strokes in life. What, what is our will? What is our desire? What are we trying to accomplish? Where do we see our career going? What are some things on our bucket list that we're trying to achieve in life that we really want to do? What, what drives us in those desires? And, and it can be those big, broad brush strokes. And it could be the simple things, but many times it's in our everyday life and our relationships. What are our desires in our marriage or parenting or raising our kids or in our family? We have desires and a will when it comes to our career or jobs or where we want to live or what we want to do for recreation or hobbies or entertainment. We all have a will. We all have a desire. We're all driven by some desire, some will inside of us that we want to achieve, accomplish, do with our life. Now, some of us are a little more vocal about that than others, and some of us are a little more strong about those opinions and desires of what we want to achieve, and some people are a little more laid back and go with the flow, and I don't know where you are on the scale with that, but we all have desires, all of us. We all have things that we want to do and accomplish in life. And see, as we talk about this series that we're now in, welcome to the series, talking about change, is that enter Jesus into the equation. That when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, when Jesus comes into our life, he changes everything. Jesus changes everything. It's just how it goes. And here's the good news is that Jesus changes things for the good, for the better, not not for the bad. It's not like, oh man, that guy, here comes Jesus again, always changing everything and messing everything up. Now, sometimes you might feel like he's getting in your grill and messing with your life, but he's only doing it for our good. That God loves us, that Jesus loves us, died for us, gave his life for us. And when he enters the scene, he changes our life. And sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. We've got to know that the end result, his heart, his desire for us is that it's for our good. What is it that you desire most? You've ever had that question asked before? And I did a little research and I actually found an article by Forbes and they did a study and they put a survey out there and they just asked people this question. If you could say in one word, just one word, what you want more in life, what would that be? If you could just say in one word, what would your answer be before I give you the answers here? Maybe tell someone uh, that you're watching or listening with. Maybe put it in the comments section if you're watching online. Or maybe just jot it down or just in your mind mentally. If I were to ask you that question, what, what is one thing in one word? If you could just put in one word, what is something that you desire more of in life? You ready to hear some of the answers that they gave of the hundreds of people that they interviewed? They put the survey out there. Guess what the number one one is? Guess what the first one is? Anyone got a great answer? I don't know what you're saying right now, but I'll let you know if you got it. The first one is happiness. Out of everything that they asked people, you could have said any word that you want. It was a multiple choice. You could just put it out there. The number one answer was happiness. And the interesting thing about that answer, it was that most people were trying to figure out what do I want to do in life that will bring me fulfillment and bring me happiness. Now, the second one might not surprise you at all. You just might have thought it was the first one, money, right? People are like, if I could have anything in my desire, number one thing, one word, cha-ching, come on someone, I need some money. That was the number two. The third one was freedom. 
People wanted more freedom in their life, freedom in their schedule, freedom to make choices. And then the fourth one was peace, that they wanted peace, just so much stress, so much anxiety, so much worry, so much uncertainty in life. And so if they could just say one word, what they desire was peace. Number five was joy, which is really interesting to see that up there as well. People feeling really down, that they're just going through motions, that there's no real joy or fulfillment in life. And then the sixth one was balance, people just feeling completely out of whack, out of balance in their life and they would just really like to feel balanced. Number seven was fulfillment. People feeling a total lack of fulfillment in their life. And if they could just have one word desire, it would just be that they could do something to find some fulfillment for what they are doing. And then the last one, number eight, that they had listed was confidence. One word desire, just to feel some confidence in what they're doing, what they're called to, confident in their job, confident as a parent, confident in their relationships. You ever been there before where it feels like, man, if I really figure this thing out and have some confidence, we could go somewhere. It's really interesting as you take apart that list. And as I read that, I was kind of surprised, honestly. I thought more of them would line up more with what answer number two was, which was money, which was the physical desire. But if you take a look at this list, most of the things that are on this list have to do with things that are more of a state of mind, not something that is an actual desire. Like money was one of them, but you know, people weren't listing like house, car, boat, you know, um, boyfriend, girlfriend. They weren't like listing, you know, relationship. They, they were listing things that were more of a state of mind, something that, you know, is beyond just something you can achieve and get and just go get more money, go get more physical things. And I thought that was really interesting and kind of peel back, you know, humanity a little bit and take a look at our desires, and I wonder if that lines up with your answer. I wonder if that lines up, if you were to take a look at the one that you answered when I asked that question, does it fall in that same category as well? What was the one word desire that you want? And maybe yours was money, because let's be honest, who, who can't use more money? Let's just, you know, that's almost like a given. Except money, what is the one word desire that you could, if you could have anything in a moment, just, you know, snap your finger and you've got it. What is it for you? And I think that's so interesting that people are trying to find things like freedom, peace, joy, fulfillment. Because honestly, friends, these are so many of the things, so many of the characteristics, so many of the things, even some when we talked about fruits of the Spirit. Remember when we unpacked that in the Elements series? That when we come to a relationship with Jesus and we choose to have His desires and His will in His life, we will find so many of these things that people, and maybe yourself and myself, I identify with this list in a pretty great way, that we ourselves, when we come to a relationship with Jesus, that He wants to help us to achieve these things. So I have to ask this question now. What is it that drives your desires? What is it that drives your desires? Where do those desires come from? Now, we talked about having kids and a young child. Pretty much their desires are just driven by whatever the want and need that they have in that exact moment. Now, the older that you get, sometimes your desires are driven by more complexities and things that you become passionate about or things that you dislike or goals that you want to achieve or things that you want to do or just things that you discover in life that you think are awesome and you want to pursue or entertain or whatever it is. But you have to ask yourself this question, what is it that drives your desires? And the reason I ask that is this. Because as a Christ follower, our desires should ultimately be driven by following God's will. See, our ultimate goal as a Christ follower is that our desires should be driven by following His will. 
that it's not always about our will and desire, not everything that we want. And I think it's even a really great analogy, talking about having kids and trying to get kids to follow through on what you know is best for them, but their desire is completely opposite of that, right? They don't want bedtime. They don't want to eat healthy. They want the sugar and to stay up all night. Is that the best thing for them? No, it's terrible. In that moment, is that what they want? Yeah. But as a parent, you know that's not what's best. Your will is ultimately what's best. And the same thing is true with our Heavenly Father. Is that sometimes God wants things for us. Sometimes His will doesn't always line up for what we want and desire in the moment. But ultimately, just like a parent, His will will be so much better for us. We might not feel like it in the moment. We might not feel like we're getting what we want or what we desire and think that will ultimately satisfy us and give us that fulfillment, that joy, that love, that peace, whatever it is in life that we're trying to achieve and accomplish and and really need. But if we're truly willing to surrender our will, our desire to God, I truly believe that we will see that. So when you hear this and you talk about our will and surrendering it to God's will, maybe it begs the question you have like, whoa, whoa, Brian. So you're saying I'm just like supposed to throw out all my desires, all my will out the window like it's gone. And I'm just supposed to be like some robot Christian just blindly following after what God wants to say. I have no will. I have no purpose, desire. Other. No, that's not what we're saying whatsoever. Matter of fact, we can have good desires. And God wants to give us the desires of our heart. And he's a good father and he gives good gifts to his children. He wants us to enjoy this life that he created for us. It's not that he's an oppressive, mean God. And he's like, you got to follow my way and just suffer through the rest of life. No, that's not God's desire for us at all. He wants that Jesus actually came so that we could experience life to the full. That's what he says in his word. It's just that sometimes our will doesn't always line up with his. And there will be times, and God gives us free will. God gives us free will and we're allowed to choose and he he wants us to choose. But there are times where we have to surrender and submit our will and our desire to follow after what it is that God wants for us. Now that's not easy. If we're going to be honest, the last couple of weeks, this challenge of change has not been easy. It's not been comfortable. If you've even found yourself squirming a little bit when we've talked about these things, I wonder how much you've really taken it to heart because I'm squirming and I'm the one delivering it and challenging you in these things. But we've got to have a realignment of our desires. To truly see change in our desires, we've got to see a realignment or a change to becoming more like what God wants for us. I think the greatest example that I want to share with you today is a story about Jesus and something that he specifically went through. Now picture this. Jesus is at the end of his time here on earth. He sits down with his closest followers, the disciples, and he has a meal with them. And he's telling them that God's plan is totally different than what they thought. They thought he was going to come in, that he was going to like set up his kingdom here on the earth, that he was going to like whoop the Roman Empire and send everyone packing, and that he was going to do all these great things and be this amazing king, and they were going to have all this authority and power. He was going to do all this great stuff, but he's like, that's not actually the plan at all. And he's basically getting together to say goodbye, and things look a little bit different than you think, or at least goodbye for now. It's just going to look a lot different than you guys thought this was going to work out. And so he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going to have to be betrayed by one of his followers. He knows that he's going to have to be beaten, whipped, tortured, put to death on a cross. And now that's got to be pretty challenging, right? Even for the Son of God. And so he does something. He, he retracts and he goes and he prays. And so we pick up the story in Luke 2, starting in verse 39. And he says this, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. 
I love this here. I just pause for a moment that Jesus did this as usual, that Jesus went and he prayed on usual, on the regular. This is what Jesus did. This was his normal routine. Then in verse 40, there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Verse 41, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. And these are the words that he prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Here we see Jesus in this moment of just absolute angst, of just feeling the tension of what God has called him to do, the Father's will and his own. See, he, he knows what's about to happen. He's, he's going to pray about it. And here's what I think is really amazing. I was talking to a friend this week. And he was sharing with me, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot about the human side of Jesus. We don't really talk a whole lot about that. But I mean, it makes sense. Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. And the Bible even tells us that he's not a, he's not a God. He's not a savior who can't empathize with us. He's been tempted in every way that we've been tempted. And so therefore he had a human side. He felt all the emotions. He felt all the temptations. And so the human side of Jesus, his flesh facing this brutal death, crucifixion, and knowing that the Father is going to have to turn away from him. Can you imagine what he was feeling in that moment? I mean, the guy was probably like, hey, I'm a carpenter. I just like to go make some furniture. I mean, God, is that okay? I mean, that's, that's what I do. And I, you know, this plan that you've got and your will and your desire, that's awesome. But I think I'm just going to go over here and whittle some nice stuff and sell it. You know, find someone nice, settle down, have a few kids, and you know, God, I'll serve you, but I don't know if I can go that far to truly follow your will. That might be asking a little too much of me, Lord. See, but that's not what Jesus does. And I love this idea, and we don't, we're not privy to the conversation that this angel had with Jesus, other than we know that he came and he strengthened him. And after he strengthened him, Jesus prays with even more fervency, with even more urgency. And I don't think he was praying like, God, just take it. If this, if this cup can pass before me, if there's any other way that this could... I don't think he was praying that anymore. I think he was praying for strength that he could continue to do this. Did you even catch what he talked to the disciples? Hey, you guys need to pray so you don't fall into temptation, knowing that he's probably very well doing the same exact thing. See, here we see a complete realigning of his will to the Father's will. Did you catch it in verse 42? Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away. God, if there's any other way that you can accomplish your will, please do it. And then he says this, one of the most powerful prayers that could ever be prayed, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Come on, someone. If that's not challenging and convicting to see that and read that and know as Christ followers, that people who are following after Jesus, that he is the example that we are supposed to becoming more like and knowing that he was willing to go to death, be betrayed, be whipped, be beaten, put to death, be, face all of that agony and that torment and to do it for the will of the Father, knowing that it's not what he wanted Knowing that that is not his natural desire. It wasn't like, yes, sign me up. Can't wait. No, that, that was a struggle. It was hard. He's like, God, if there's any other way. But yet at the end, not my will, not my desire. It's yours. See, friends, I think that changing our desires, it really starts 
with seeking God and being willing to surrender to his will. I think we could take some cues from Jesus here. That sometimes our desire, sometimes our will might not always line up with the Father. He might be asking us or challenging us to do some things that would be well outside of our comfort zone. See, as I take a look back and I see all of the things that God has done in Treeline over the two years since we've launched, in the year and a half, so three and a half years, there's been so many challenges, there's been so many things. But even from the beginning, even from the beginning of being in a place that before we launched Treeline, we were part of a wonderful church, a wonderful community of people who love Jesus. We were together and it was awesome and we had amazing people and family around us and I was in a job and a ministry that I loved and more than anything and my wife was working a job in the community and doing amazing things and we just had so much security, there was so much comfort, there was so much established, but feeling that God had called us to something more, that there was something next, that His will, His desire, desire was something beyond where we currently were. And friends, I can tell you looking back in that moment, it wasn't something that we took lightly. There was some wrestling. There was some moments like, God, if there's any other way or should we do this? Should we make this leap? What are we going to do? What's it going to look like? There's so much uncertainty. I have no idea if this was this leap of faith, if we were going to leap and God was going to catch us and we were going to go, if we would fall flat on our face. But be willing to take the risk. Why? Just like Jesus saying in this prayer, God, not my will, not my desire, not trying to build my comfort or my kingdom or what I want, but God, I'm willing to surrender my will for yours. And see, it's not just been my story with Treeline. There have been so many people I think of the people who relocated with us from Indiana to come be a part of this, to find new jobs and find housing, to say, hey, we want to be a part of this dream and help start a church and reach people who are far from God and what they had to give up in their own will and desire in order to accomplish that. I think of all the people who gave so generously and gave sacrificially and the people who will never even come through the doors of Treeline. Well, we don't have doors right now, but they'll just never even be a part of what we're doing. But they believed in it so much that they gave financially so we could get this church off the ground. I think of the people who showed up and started serving and got on the team and started giving and started enabling and the people who have prayed for us and continue to pray for us as a church and and gave and said, you know what, it's not just about my will or how about this? The people who in the early days came at 6 a.m. to set up. Can we just be honest? That was no one's desire. No one's will was like, man, I can't wait to get up on a Sunday morning and be there at 6 a.m. to move 200 desks to create space for kids. That was no one's will and desire to do that. And the stories just go on and on and on. Of the people who gave, the people who showed up. That you have staff now and pastors who who are still making God's will happen. That they're still fundraising to be a part of this and give and to serve. That they're still working other jobs knowing well that they could be on a church staff somewhere. But because they're willing to surrender their will and their desire to follow what God has for their life. To be a part of what God has called us to do in this community. Friends, that is our story of Treeline. That's our story as a church. I'm not saying, God, not my desire, not my will, not just simply bless, Lord, what it is that I'm wanting to do, but saying, Lord, we're willing to collectively surrender our will and our desire to build your kingdom, to reach people who are far from you, 
to follow out through with knowing that there are people who need relationship with you and there needs to be some churches who new churches to come alongside of people and, and reach them and tell them about Jesus. Some kids who need to have a relationship with God and grow up knowing Jesus from a young age. And that's why I'm so excited to celebrate our second birthday with you today because there were so many people who are willing to surrender their will and desire and say that prayer, not my will, not my desire. But God, whatever it is that you want to do. And see, friends, the same is true in our personal lives. It's not the big picture stuff. It's not just about starting churches and ministries. Sometimes it is those things. But many times it just starts even in our personal lives. Have you ever asked God what the will, His will is in your life? Have you ever stopped to ask Him, not in just the big picture, but maybe in a relationship or in your family or your job or your career or with your finances or the, the church that you go to or the goals that you have set? Have you really ever sought out what God's will and those day in, day out decisions that you make trying to find if this really lines up with God, what God wants for me. See, when we choose to live a life surrendered to Jesus, there will be times, friends, there will be times where we will have to surrender our will in order to follow His. When we say yes to relationship with Jesus, there will be times when our will will have to be surrendered, not the big picture stuff, but in our marriage in our relationships and, and, and the things that we do and even our, our marriages is just going to be our selfish desires is just going to be like well I'm not getting what I want or need out of this marriage or is it going to say you know what I'm going to submit and love them and love them like Christ loved us even to death on a cross that's what God has challenged us in our marriage to love our spouse are we willing to surrender our will our desires of what we think that hashtag relationship goal should be and say my relationship goal is to become like Christ and love my spouse has it been with our kids? Are we really we're just ready to throw in the towel and give up on them and walk away? Or is it said lining up with God's will and saying that we're not going to give up, that we're going to dig in, that we're going to love them with the love that Christ. And we may be frustrated. We might not have the answers. We might want to walk away, but instead we're going to press in and just like God never stop chasing and pursuing us, that we're going to do the same thing for our children. Maybe it's with our finances. Are we just simply trying to build our own comfort? Is it just simply about what we can get and accomplish and, and do and have in our life? Or are we just going to say, you know what? My will is going to line up with Him. I'm going to choose to put God first in my finances. I'm going to choose to trust, trust Him. I'm going to choose to give and to give generously and live all the ways that He's challenged me to live. Maybe it's even in our church attendance. Is it just all about our desires and attending a church that will just simply meet our needs and fulfill everything that we need and check all the boxes that we need in a church? Or is it going to be just simply about, God, I'm not going to do what it is, just attend a church for what I need, but I'm going to attend a church that you have called me to, and I'm going to serve there. And I'm going to serve, and I'm going to be invested because you have called me there. See, friends, we could just go on and on and on. And at the end of the day, with our life, with our desires, we have a choice to make. We could choose to build our own kingdom or we can choose to build His. And the decision that Jesus made here that we read in Luke 2 is that He made a decision to not build His own kingdom. Instead, He chose to build the Father's kingdom. And see, that's what it really comes down to. What is driving our decisions? Building our own kingdom or instead laying down our will and building His. You ever stop and think, what would happen if Jesus didn't follow through? What if in that moment He prayed and God answered and sent the angel and the angel strengthened Him and He's like, you know, I, I, I'm just going to peace out on this one. It's just too much. Can you imagine? We don't have to go there. You know why? 
Because God sent Jesus. Jesus laid it all down. He gave it all. He laid his life down for us. He surrendered his will to the Father so that you, so that me, so that all of us could have relationship with him. And it changed everything because he was willing to surrender his will, the outcome, the desire of what God wanted was so much greater than what he in that moment was going to have to pay the price. And the same is true in our lives. When we surrender our desires to God, we may have to sacrifice something, but the end result will be so much better than anything we had to give up. Friends, living in surrender and surrendering our will and building God's kingdom instead of our own, it might seem like it doesn't make sense, like leaving something that was comfortable and good jobs in a community and leaving Indiana and coming to Pittsburgh and starting from scratch to start a church. On paper, it doesn't add up, but sometimes when you're following the will of God in your personal life, in your relationship, in your marriage, with your finances, with your career, with the school, whatever it is that you're facing, the decisions and the desires that you have, sometimes it won't add up on paper to surrender your will to the fathers. But I promise you that when you begin to do this, you will see him show up. You will see him give you the strength just like when that angel showed up and gave him strength. When you surrender your will to the father in any of these areas of your life, God will give you the strength to endure and to achieve his will in your life. I love that. In verse 44, he prayed even more intensely and God gave him the strength just like he will give you the strength to follow his will. See, we can follow the example of Jesus in every area of our life. So how do we get practical with this? What are some applications we can do? We've got three quick ones for you. First one is this. Invite God into the process. You've got to start here. We could take some cues from Jesus. Jesus found some time, found some space, retracted from everyone where he always went, and he spent some time praying and seeking God's face. Friends, you've got to do this. The first step is simply to invite God into the process. Are we running those things by him? Are we seeking his will in our life with the decisions that we have to make, with the things that we're wanting to do? Are we inviting him into the process? Are we seeking his will? And sometimes he'll give us the choice. Sometimes he'll say it's your free will and you're not doing something outside of my will and I just go for it. But then there'll be times where we're seeking his will and he might challenge us or call us to do something that may not necessarily line up with what it is that we're wanting to do and we'll have a choice if we want to surrender to his will. The second one is this. Read God's word and learn his will for us as Christ followers. You're like, man, Brian, this is like the same point we get every single week. Read the Bible. I know. I'm just waiting for some of you to take the hint. We've got to start reading God's word. We've got to get in there. How do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I figure that out? Simply read the Bible. There are so many things that God teaches us, that shows us, that he reveals to us, how he challenges us, wants us to live, calls us as Christ followers, just even simply by reading the stories of Jesus and seeing how he lived his life we can begin to see what God desires from us. The third and final one is this. Choose God's kingdom over your own desires. We do a whole message series on that one right there. Choose God's kingdom instead of your own. That's really challenging. But when we choose to build God's kingdom, it's not just in like a church and serving and giving, but building God's kingdom is even in our own family even in our own marriage, 
even with our career, our job, our finances, our hobbies, all the things that we do, what we decide to do with our life, what drives our desires, we have the choice to build our own kingdom or we could build his. And friends, I can tell you along the way, when I've made those steps of faith, when I've stepped out, when I've surrendered my will, and man, there's been some times I've not got it right. But man, those times where I truly leaned in, surrendered my will, God has always showed up. God showed up when we surrendered our will and stepped out in faith to start this church. God showed up in big, amazing, crazy ways. And he's continuing to do so. Friends, the same thing was true in your life. That when God shows up and you choose to surrender your will to his, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you to follow through his will. And the best part is that when you do so, it's the best result that you could ever hope to achieve. Because you might be giving up something and it might feel like it's terrible at the time. But I'm telling you, there's something amazing that happens when we choose to surrender our will to his and we truly begin to live our lives for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you. First and foremost, Jesus, that you chose to be an incredible example and thank you for surrendering your will to the Father's and laying down your life so that we could have relationship with the Father, paying the price for our sins, knowing what you're going to have to go through, knowing the betrayal, the torture, the torment, the physical pain, the anguish of being separated from the Heavenly Father. Thank you for the example that you have left for us. God, I pray that we would be, have the strength to surrender our will, that we would invite you into the process, maybe for the very first time seeking your will. When we have the opportunity, when we have the option, we have the opportunity to get into a relationship seeking your will. When we have the opportunity for the job or the opportunity for the career advancement, that we would seek your will. When we have the opportunity for whatever it is, the options that we have in life, whatever those things that drive our desires, that we would follow you and seek your will in everything that we do. I pray that we would be disciplined to spend time in your word, to learn the will that you have for us, to know as Christ followers what it is that you have called us to, to following after you. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength to choose building your kingdom instead of our own. Lord, I know that flies in the face of everything that our culture and our world is all about, but I truly pray that you would help us as your followers to build your kingdom to reach those who are far from you, to see your kingdom come, to see lives changed. God, yes, in our church, yes, with Treeline, but God, even in our personal lives. Lord, I thank you and I give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. So glad you could connect with us wherever you are, listening, watching. We'll look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.